0: Good morning. Take a moment, clear those things from your head that would keep you from worshiping God. And I know when you're at home, those things are harder to get out of your head because they're there.
1: When upon life's bellows you are tempest-tossed When you are discouraged thinking all is lost Count your many blessings, name them one by one And it will surprise you what the Lord has done Count your blessings, name them one by one Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. Are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy, you are called to bear? Count your many blessings, every doubt will fly. And you will be singing as the days go by. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done count your blessings name them one by one count your many blessings see what god hath done when you look at others with their lands and gold think that christ has promised you his wealth untold Count your many blessings, money cannot buy. Your reward in heaven or your home on high. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. So amid the conflict, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is over all. Count your many blessings, angels will attend. Help and comfort give you till your journeys end. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. To the Holy One give thanks Because he's given Jesus Christ his Son And now let the weak say I am strong Let the poor say I am rich Because of what the Lord has done give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his son and now let the weak say I am strong let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us Sanctuary for you, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary.
0: god i thank you for all that you've done for me thank you for all that you've done for us i pray that you would bless this time that we're setting apart for you i pray that you would bless those that hear it later i pray that you would give me words to speak that are worth hearing i pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable to you O lord my my rock and my redeemer in jesus name amen I think I'm saying that reflexively, knowing that no one is going to answer me, but that is okay. Um, I'm very grateful that we get to be a part of worshiping together, however it looks. I'm also hoping that the audio is coming through, because that is uh, really my biggest fear in, in doing services this way, is that if the audio is bad, I have very little way of knowing. Um, but I do have my phone up here on the podium, which I said I would never do, but it's really just to monitor if someone starts panicking that they can't hear. Um, I hope I got the sound levels right, but we'll just move forward and if no one can hear me, I will do it again later. Anyhow, we are continuing on in the story of man with God or god's relationship with man and by using the outline of the book the story the next place i go from here is to numbers 25 which is actually a story that we should be able to relate to as americans because it's about watering down the church the way they're supposed to be living they're making exceptions, and that seems to be where problems always begin, is just with the making of exceptions. In verse 25, it's actually titled in my Bible, Moab Seduces Israel. And I'll go ahead and read a a section of this. And again, I count these things to be an historical account. I believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God and that we are supposed to read these things. I would not I would not suggest this as necessarily a model to follow. (laughs) Anyhow, um, when Israel was staying at Shittim, men began to indulge in sexual immorality with the Moabite women who invited them to sacrifice to their gods. The people ate and bowed down before these gods. So Israel joined in worshiping Baal of Peor, and the Lord's anger burned against them. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people, kill them, and expose what they have done in broad daylight before the Lord, so that the Lord's fierce anger may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to Israel's judges, Each of you must put to death those of your men who have joined in worshiping Baal of Peor. And the Israelite man, then an Israelite man, brought to his family a Midianite woman right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly, of Israel, while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phineas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he left the assembly, took a spear in his hand, and followed the Israelite into his tent. He drove the spear through both of them, through the Israelite and into the woman's body, and the plague against the Israelites stopped. But those who died in the plague numbered 24,000. The Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest has turned away my anger from the Israelites for he was zealous as I am for the honor to excuse me for my honor among them so that in my zeal. I did not put an end to them. Therefore tell him I am making my covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants will have a covenant of lasting priesthood because he was zealous for the honor of his God and made atonement for Isra- the Israelites. The name of the Israelite who was killed with the Midianite woman was Zimri, son of Salu, the leaders of the Simeonite family, the leader of the Simeonite family. And the name of the Midianite woman who was put to death was Cosby, daughter of Zur, the tribal chief of the Midianite family. And the Lord said to Moses: Treat the Midianites as an enemy and kill them because they have treated you as enemies when they deceived you in the affair of pure, and the sister and their sister Cosby the daughter of a Midianite leader the woman who was killed when the plague came as a result of pure. Again I would like to clarify that I believe this to be um, I believe it to be true but I also believe it to be a historical account of something that happened once not as the model that we should Necessarily live by, um, in a matter of in a manner of speaking, we should purge the uh, evil things from our midst, and we should not tolerate blatant sins and disregard for God's word. But I also don't believe we should go through spearing people when they commit sins. Um, this again is a historical account of zeal for the Lord's house, which is something to emulate. The violence in it, I would say, is something that we should not do. Uh, The second census is chapter 26, and it's just telling who is in what family and their numbers. And there is a great number of Israelites at this point, and it'll tell you who they were. And honestly, it's a lot of numbers, as the book of the Bible would tell you. And I'm not actually going to read through that at this time, but I would highly suggest you do. Um, jumping ahead a little to Deuteronomy 1, we have something amazing in Deuteronomy 1, which is um, its really a recap of everything that's happened with Israel up to this point, but it's written in the form of a treaty, um, which would be like a conquering party would write for a conquered party. Um, That's the actual literary style uh, from the period is is actually a treaty. But um, I find that very interesting in itself. But it's just a recap of the command to leave Horeb, the appointment of leaders, spies being sent out, rebellion against the Lord, and um, chapter 1 of Deuteronomy Actually ends with this paragraph. For I told you, but you would not listen. You rebelled against the Lord's command in your arrogance as you marched up the hill country. Amorites who lived in those hills came out against you and chased you like a swarm of bees and beat you down from Sirah all the way to Hormon. You came back and wept before the Lord, but paid no attention, but he paid no attention to your weeping, and turned a deaf ear to you. And so you stayed in Kadesh many days, all the time you spent there. Um, But it's just this recap of the things they've been doing. Chapter 2 goes back to wandering in the desert. Granted, 40 years of wandering. I know these books seem like a long time to discuss wandering, but it's really summative if you think about the fact they were wandering for 40 years. This isn't as much writing as you would assume would come from that period of time. Jumping ahead to uh, Deuteronomy 4 is God commanding obedience and forbidding adultery. Uh, The world at this time, not unlike the time it is now, uh, they worshipped everything. They worshipped inanimate objects, and I would like to think that we have gone past that, but we haven't. Um, we are approaching the season where you're going to see well just about everything under the sun being presented is what you need now. The old one isn't good enough anymore you need something new right now and it reminds me every single year around the season we're in starting what Friday when all everything is Ridiculously low prices, and people are willing to trample each other for a sale on a television set. It reminds me that we still worship things. Instead of the giver, we worship the gifts. That's true in church, it's true outside of church. But again, idolatry, worshiping stuff, and things, and the moon, and stars, and Mother Earth, is all forbidden. it's all forbidden chapter 5 goes through the 10 commandments which we've already gone over the 10 commandments a couple weeks ago Deuteronomy 6 again if I have a song in my heart I always say it's the great commission and the shema oh I love the shema Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is uh, echoed when Jesus is asked, what is the most important law? What is the most important uh, point in the law? In Mark 12, uh, 29, in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, he echoes the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then he pulls a verse from uh, Leviticus 19, 18, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the most important thing we can do. In fact, Orthodox Jews, uh, and I believe Jesus twice a day, would have said that in Hebrew every morning and every evening, and they still do that practice. In fact, I make my sixth graders say that along with their pledges in the morning in Hebrew and then in English. And oddly enough, 12-year-olds really get into saying things in Hebrew because it's a very guttural language. Um, and if you want to learn it in Hebrew, I think you'll find it very rewarding because it's actually words that Jesus would have said twice a day. And something about praying a prayer of Jesus in the same language, Jesus prayed it, and I find very... Connecting. I don't think it has more supernatural power because I'm saying it in Hebrew. I just feel connected because of uh, being grafted into these Hebrew roots. But in Hebrew, it's Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Yechad. Ve'echavta et Adonai Elohecha, v'chov Lavacha, uv'chov navshecha, uv'chov meodecha. And there's something about that that I just find very beautiful to be able to worship God that way as well. Um, But in Deuteronomy 6, we have the command to love the Lord your God. And it continues on from there uh, after the Shema itself. In verse 6, it goes on to say, These commandments I give to you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up and tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This, I think, is one of the things that as a church we don't do like we should. And I don't think we've ever done it like we should because you can read the Bible and see where it probably would have head off a lot of the problems that God's people have dealt with from the beginning on till now is the part where it says impress it upon your children because anything that you don't explicitly teach your children they pick up from the culture around them and that's i i've seen charts and i've seen studies and statistics that prove that or support that i know in science you never prove anything you can either support it or refute it but i've seen a lot of data that actually supports the fact that if you do not teach it explicitly to your children they will adapt it from the the culture that they are surrounded by. Why it's important for us to teach our children to indoctrinate. Oh, but I'm using it as a good word. To indoctrinate our children in the things of God. It also goes along uh, when it says, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. That's all the time. You're always doing one of those things. You're supposed to talk about the laws of God all the time and tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them to your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. People should look at you and be like, he's different. People should look at your house and be like, they're different. People should enter your house and they should feel different. If they're in tune to anything spiritual whatsoever, they should know when they walk into your house that the atmosphere has changed. These are things that, we can do simply by focusing on on loving the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. That is fierce love. That is physical love. That is a love that isn't complacent. That's not a love that you celebrate for an hour a week. That is an overwhelming uh, obsession. We are called to be overwhelmingly obsessed and in love with the laws of God, which are fulfilled in Christ Jesus. That is our calling. That is... That is our life's blood. That is the song that should be reverberating in our bones. That should be that should be the fire caught up in our bones, so that we cannot keep silent. Again, in Luke ten twenty-seven, an expert in the law comes up and asks Jesus the same question, and Jesus turns it around on him and says, "How do you read it?" And he repeats the Shema, and then that section of Levi or Leviticus. 1918 and says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength and you shall love your neighbor as yourself and Jesus tells him you have answered correctly do this and you will live we have a holiday coming up and I know without getting into the ridiculousness of the idea of having a dinner party for six when most of the people that I've gone to church with seem to have six or more people in their immediate family But we'll ignore that for now. What a better place to talk about the things of God than on Thanksgiving. The day set aside to be thankful for what we have in a year that has been um, just an overwhelmingly hard time for a lot of people. But we're the salt and we're the light. Let's think about the things of God. Let's talk about what we're thankful for. Let's talk about all these things that are actually going right. We're not wandering around in the desert. In fact, we're all so incredibly blessed that in the midst of a pandemic and by all means, what should have been a recession, our housing market boomed. So we're not in dire straits yet. Some people are, but they were at the beginning and it's our job to love them and to find them before the government does, because it's never been Caesar's job to care for the poor. It's been Christ's people's job to care for the poor. Let's not worry about whether Caesar gave them anything. Let's worry about whether the hands and feet of Jesus are serving them. We are not in direct competition. Although if we were, we're failing. Can we be the hands and feet of Christ? Can we focus on teaching our families and teaching our children and teaching our loved ones and our friends what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to love the Lord your God? Can we do that? And my answer is oddly enough yes yes we can do that and I know I am probably the first person that will tell you aside from Jesus Christ there is nothing we can do there is nothing we can do and I would say with Jesus Christ this is something that you absolutely can do it is something that you are required to do it is something you are required to do This is said repeatedly through Scripture, but the phrase that you will never find in Scripture, and I'm not telling you not to do it, but you will never find the phrase, ask Jesus into your heart in Scripture. But what you will find is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. I believe in the practice of asking Jesus into your heart, but you won't find it in Scripture. You'll find it between the lines in Scripture. This is explicit Scripture, to love the Lord your God fiercely and with everything you have and to love your neighbor as yourself as yourself we make sweet little analogies about how you need to put on the air mask before you help someone else just like if you were on a plane going down we're not on a crashing plane love your neighbor as yourself well I got to take care of myself before I can help anyone else realistically yeah you do but that's not scriptural (laughs) That's not scriptural. If you have a ministry, it's first to your family. Make sure you take care of your family, but we're called to love those around us as well. And it's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the perfect time to renew your mind, to turn the way you're thinking to things of God and to give thanks and to live through thanks and to live with love. Oddly enough, that was a bunny trail. I actually have one sentence about that in my notes. <laughs> but like I said, if I have a song in my heart, it is the Shema, it has become an obsession. That and the, and the Great Commission have both become obsessions. And I think that that may be one of the saving graces to my demeanor in general, because I'm an emotional person. I'm an emotional person with bad temper and flaws like every other human being has. And it's being obsessed with these commands, commands, things we have to do, that really is what keeps me moving and smiling and happy and with purpose. I love the things I get to do. I love my life. I love the fact that I get to minister full time. Even though this is a part-time job, I am a Christian school teacher who ministers to 12-year-olds. I make a lot of stupid jokes at that part, at that job, and I'm not saying I won't hear too, but I genuinely, as a full-time job, get to minister. That is amazing, that is amazing. And I'm hoping that that static sound that I'm hearing through the house sound system isn't coming through on the video. If it is, I apologize. Anyhow, moving on to Deuteronomy 8. It's titled, Do Not Forget the Lord. And I think that's pretty straightforward. Do not forget the Lord in all you do. The Lord is not one who is willing to be forgotten. Do not forget the Lord. Chapter 9 talks about Israel being God's chosen people, not because of their own righteousness. Not because of their own righteousness, but because God chose them and made them his people. Because they were weak, God chose them. This is echoed in Titus 3.5 for Christians, that it isn't because of our righteousness. It's because of the righteousness of God. It's because of the righteousness of Christ. We of ourselves are unrighteous. We do not deserve any of this. It's because of Christ. It's because of the love of God. That is all we have going for us. That's taught in Deuteronomy 9. It's echoed in Titus. It's echoed in Paul's letters elsewhere too. I'm going to read to you from uh, Deuteronomy nine. 4 and 6, and I know I already explained it, but who am I? Who am I apart from Scripture? I'll read it from the primary source, because as you start to study the English language and history, you find that primary sources have so much more value than secondary sources, and I would say that's true for Christianity as well. I can tell you things as a secondary source. You can read them from the primary sources, and that's the words of God. Not a paraphrase of the words of God, that's what I do. The words of God are found right here. Deuteronomy 9, 4 through 6. After the Lord God has driven out them before you, do not say to yourself, the Lord has brought me to take possession of this land because of my righteousness. No, it is an account of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is going to drive them out before you. It is not because of your righteousness, or your integrity, that you were going to take possession of this land. But on account of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. Understand then that it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord is giving you this good land to possess, for you are a stiff-necked people. And again, I find that echoed through the New Testament as well. It isn't because of our righteousness, because we are a stiff-necked people. We don't like to bow. We don't like to turn in a way that someone tells us to. We are a stiff-necked people. It's the funny thing about a stiff neck. If you get more used to turning your neck, if you get more used to moving it and stretching it, the easier it becomes to move, and your neck will no longer be stiff. Jumping ahead to Deuteronomy 29, God renews his covenant. He renews his covenant with his people. I'm going to read a little bit of that as well. These are the terms of the covenant the Lord commanded Moses to make with the Israelites in Moab in addition to the covenant he had made with them at Horeb. Moses summoned all the Israelites to them and said, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord did in Egypt to Pharaoh, to his officials, and to his land. Now, with your own eyes, you saw those great trials, those miraculous signs and great wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a mind that understands, or eyes that see, or ears that hear. During... The 40 years that I led you through the desert, your clothes did not wear out, nor did your sandals on your feet, or the bread and water. Excuse me. You ate no bread and drank no wine or other fermented drink. I did this so that you might know that I am the Lord your God. When you reached this place, Silo, king of Hershbon, and Og, king of Bashan, came out to fight against us, but we defeated them. We took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites, to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh. Carefully follow the terms of this covenant so that you may prosper in everything you do. It goes on, and it's definitely worth reading all of it. You yourselves know how you lived in Egypt and how you passed through the countries on the way here. You saw among them their detestable images and their idols of wood and stone and the silver and gold and make sure that no man or woman or clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the lord your god to go worship gods of those nations make sure there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison we make light of the materialism and and the idea that we can do as the culture around us and then be fine before God because we go through our rites and rituals. And I believe that that is the same bitter root of poison that God refers to in Deuteronomy 29. We make sacrifices for our prosperity. We make these weird sacrifices for our advantage. We spend thousands of dollars that get us pieces of paper that will make people respect our positions. We (laughs) We sacrifice our children for the sake of getting ahead because we were too young to have them. We sacrifice to idols. Still, we're just too blind to notice. Now is a great time to open your eyes and see that being different is actually what we're called to. We don't have to necessarily wear the straight coats and grow the proper looking beards and wear the prayer covers, but we are called to be different. We are a peculiar people. I know Mennonites over history have really celebrated the chance to be a peculiar people and I definitely enjoy that calling more than most. But we don't have to be bizarre and a laughing We are to be different, salt and light. And loving. Combating wrong doesn't always look like hatred and marching and signs and sandwich boards and air horns. Okay, Moving on to Deuteronomy 31. That did not help. I thought I'd give it a try. Deuteronomy 30. I'm sorry. Uh, Prosperity after turning to the Lord is what it's titled. And they're offered life and death. Hmm. But it's saying if you turn towards the Lord, you will prosper. And chapter 31, we see that Joshua whose name is Joshua and not Joseph, although through the last sermon, I noticed that I said Joseph instead of Joshua four or five times, and then when I came to actually reference Joseph, I called him Joshua. I did a complete reversal with Joshua and Joseph last sermon, and if you didn't catch it, I'm gonna go ahead and point out that flaw, and if you go back and watch it, you'll see it, and it will be just as painful for you as it feels for me to listen to because I'm still new at this, and uh, that was one of the things I've learned is to watch your old lessons, watch things that you've done, and see your mannerisms and your quirks, and try to make yourself less distracting, and stop saying um and uh so much. But aside from my mispronunciations and my stuttering, which I've learned to accept, I did make that faux pas last week where I called Joshua, Joseph, and Joseph, Joshua. Anyhow, I will move on now. Joshua is to succeed succeed Moses. He is supposed to take Moses' place. Notice again that Joshua is one of the two spies that actually brought back a positive report. He becomes the leader of the Israel people when Moses dies. The only other spy that brought back a good report is Caleb. From the line of Judah, which is the lineage of Christ and King David. And that is not coincidental because I do not have a God of coincidence. In chapter 31, we also have the reading of the law. So Moses wrote down the law and gave it to the priest, the son of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant. Of the Lord and to the elders of Israel and Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years in the year of canceling debts during the Feast of Tabernacles when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place he has chosen you shall read this law before them in their hearing assemble the people men women and children and the aliens living among you in towns and they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of the law. Their children do not know this law, must hear it and learn the fear of the Lord your God as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So every seven years, the entire community was supposed to get together and read the law, to read the Torah together in a group so that they would know the laws of God. So not only are you supposed to teach it in your own homes to your own families and to live it, you're supposed to get together as a community once every seven years and go through it again to make sure that you haven't forgotten and to make sure that those who have forgotten have children that have heard it. Chapter 32 is an incredibly long song, which is the song of Moses. And it will be a blessing if you take the time to read it. And then in chapter 33, Moses blesses the tribes individually. And then what we have in the chapter of 34 is really the death of Moses. And I'm going to read the death of Moses. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from the Jericho, where the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali and the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the whole region from the valley of Jericho to the city of Palms, as far as Zor. And the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on earth to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, i will give it to your descendants i have let you see it with your own eyes but you will not cross over into it and moses the servant of the lord died there in moab as the lord had said he buried him in moab in the valley opposite beth peor but to this day no one knows where his grave is moses was 120 years old when he died Yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, Joshua, not Joseph, Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid hands on him. So that the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those miraculous signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to his officials and to the whole land, for no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. And that is the first part of our story the story of God's people in relationship to God. That has taken us all the way from Genesis through Deuteronomy. That is the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So we've finally made it through the Torah. And I want to keep in mind, even though this seems tedious, at the time Jesus was born, every 12-year-old boy in Israel would have tried to memorize that and know it by heart. So just reading through it and knowing that we are not required to try to memorize it is a joy. But if you feel inspired by me saying that, I would highly encourage you to memorize all of it if you can. If you have that capacity, please do. Please do, but know that it is not required of you. Know that it is not required of you, but the word of the Lord does not return void. In your words, I have written on my heart that I might not sin against you. So I would highly encourage you to memorize as much scripture as you can, but your salvation does not depend on it, thank God, because some of us have memory issues. Um, myself, especially, I have tremendous memory issues to the point where writing things down is no longer an option. So, I will not judge you if you do not have the capacity to memorize because I don't have much ability. I have seen some wonderful memorization done by our kids in Bible memory, though, and I would absolutely love to compliment everyone involved with Bible memory. I think it's one of the most amazing programs I've ever seen in my life. So, as we... uh, Close this service. Next week we will be in person. Those of you that are healthy enough to attend, what I would ask though, is that you would practice uh, distancing to the best of your ability. If you were able to wear a mask, wear a mask because it slows down your breathing in a positive way as well as a negative way to where if you do spittle when you talk or sing, it catches some of it. It slows it down so it doesn't travel as far we're going to try to distance six feet or more. Not because we're afraid. Not because we're afraid. If you find yourself afraid, you're, you're a human being. We don't have to be afraid for our mortality. The Bible tells us not to be afraid. It also tells us not to put the Lord our God to the test. So we must find that line in between those two commands. Don't be afraid, but don't put the Lord your God to the test. So I would ask you to use as much common sense as you can. We will try to sanitize everything before next week rolls around. If you're able to come and you're healthy, if you are healthy, please come. I would love to see some faces in this room while I'm speaking. That way I can judge if I'm being too boring or too frantic. But aside from selfishness, because I desire the fellowship. I believe that God desires the fellowship as well. If you would please keep in mind, um, if you have prayer requests, please put them in the comments section below, or you can email them, or you can put them on the Facebook group for Valley View Mennonite Church. If you're not a member of that private group, go ahead and request membership. We will allow you to come in. Um, but we would like I would like we would like to know your prayer requests if they're urgent please put them on the prayer chain we can either call it around or use the text messaging some of the needs that I'm aware of at the moment we need to remember to keep praying for uh, Jenna King as she is uh, dealing with a new medical discovery uh, with her kidneys. We need to remember Mike and Judy and Willis and Nancy. Um, We need to remember those in our congregation also that have been sick. There are so many people in our congregation that have not been feeling well or have been sick. We need to praise God for those who we know who have recovered from COVID. Um, We need to remember to pray for Rebecca Thomas has a co-worker who's in critical condition with covid 19 at the moment last week my friend lenae's parents both died from covid complications with covid would be more accurate to say but i'm not making a political statement what i'm saying is can we pray for them please Whether or not you feel that this is worse than the flu or just the flu or something totally different or the world is ending, our call is the same. We are to love, we are to be responsible, and we are to pray for those around us, okay? Let us be salt and light. We are to evangelize for Christ Jesus, not for our political parties and our news sources that are owned by corporate people. Corporations. That's not against capitalism either. I think God can work beautifully under capitalism. I don't care. But remember who we serve. The one you're called to serve. The one you are called to serve owns both sides of the stupid aisle. And if you could remember to pray for those around you and for your families, And for our friends that are dealing with all these losses, continue to pray for the Neckersons. The community has been wonderful in trying to provide for them financially, but if you could just remember to pray for them because money helps to solve some problems, but it certainly will not solve what they're dealing with. We need to be praying for them. If you have other prayer requests, again, please write them in the comment section. I'm gonna pray and I'm going to do a benediction which is from Deuteronomy 6 that I love so much. And then I will do that awkward walk off camera and a couple seconds later this feed is gonna stop. So um, that's what you can be prepared for. Father God, we thank you for everything you've given us, for every opportunity you've given us, for all of these blessings that you've given us that I cannot earn, that we cannot earn Father God, I thank you that you have promised to provide for us and that you do in your time and in your way. Father God, I pray that you would be with those that are sick, with the flu, with the COVID, with cancer, with all of these vast array of problems, that you would help us to know how to be the church for those we know, not just those that we agree with, but that you would teach us how to love blindly, but with our hearts and our eyes wide open to what you want And not to our prejudices and not to our own opinions. Father God, above all else, I want to praise you just for the opportunity to speak to you. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them upon your children. Talk to them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you the land with large flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide. Wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. When you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. All together, amen. Peace. Shalom.